Picks Mix is brought to you by the Arrow Meta Show, broadcasting on Liberated Syndication on YouTube.com forward slash Arrow Meta Show, and is in association with the Old School Lane podcast. Picks Mix is brought to you by OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com and is associated by the Aaron Meta Show. Aaron, it's time to start the show. Oh, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Oh, hey, uh, welcome to Picks Mix with Aaron. And Patricia. Oh, hey, Patricia. Uh, I just had a nice nap. Oh, awesome. Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, sorry, you can't blame me for uh, falling asleep after uh, watching this one because, uh, you know, once again, the uh, random wheel uh, blessed us with, uh, you know, we had Cars 3 uh, yesterday, which was, uh, sorry, last the last time, which was... Uh, average at best and uh, now we've been kind of given another uh, sort of average uh thing to watch i guess so uh yeah i guess it makes a lot of sense considering that we had two amazing movies that we discussed about for episode one and two and picks mix so i guess the random wheel decided to give us a bit of a break it's like yeah you were talking about amazing classics or new masterpieces or whatever it's like yeah why don't you you know, calm yourself down, take it easy. Let's not you know, rush ourselves. Let's talk about some average stuff. So here you yeah. go. And yeah. we're like, gee, thanks. And if you can't tell from the fil- from the music, sorry, it is The Good Dinosaur. And uh, I have to say, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, this is uh, Pixar's lowest grossing film. And definitely, Patricia, it shows. 65 million years ago, a meteor crashed into Earth, killing off the dinosaurs. What if... It didn't happen. And I'm like, ooh, this would be kind of interesting. What if dinosaurs would be living in, you know, 2015 when this movie first came out? What would dinosaurs be like in the future? It kind of almost reminded me a little bit of, um, you ever seen the ABC show Dinosaurs? In which it was like The Simpsons if, um, you know, if it was dinosaurs with a bunch of... um, you know, like sitcom characters and stuff like that. Yeah, I just think, uh, you know, I remember the sitcom uh, very, very well. And uh, I just think, uh, you know, I think looking at this, you know, you can kind of see what they were trying to go for. And uh, the problem is it just doesn't execute well. Uh, when no, it no, it doesn't. Anyway, so a long story short, when I first heard about what this movie was going to be about, I was really disappointed. I felt that to be quite honest, it didn't really need to take place in an alternative world in which dinosaurs only existed. And if the meteors didn't crash, it's like, I didn't really notice anything different than if it was taking place in our world in an alternative universe. And 
prehistoric times that I didn't really notice anything. Exactly. Well, why could this, you know, I can understand why they went with a dinosaur because, you know, I think, uh, I don't know, do you think they probably went with a dinosaur theme because, you know, Jurassic World happened to be kind of like the big thing at the time? Exactly, and not to mention that L the Land Before Time 14th sequel came out as well. Oh, goody. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, this didn't have to be a dinosaur film. This could have been, like, a, you know, a proper boy and his dog story. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, a kid who, uh, you know, couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't cut it being on the far on the farm and, uh, you know, he gets, uh, you know, in an accident, he gets washed away and then he has to, like, survive on his own and uh, then he has, like, this dog who follows him around. So, like, you know, this did not have to be dinosaur themes. This could have been exactly, you know, standard, I think, for a boy and his dog story. They could have even, like, been a boy and his dog story, and they could have, like, uh, you know, they put in, like, some proper structure as well. It could have been a nice, like, you know, uh, maybe, like, Western story, I guess, or, like, one, like, like out, in the, out in the Rocky Mountains, I guess. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah just, I, I, I tell what you mean by that, because, um, yeah, it's essentially, like, a Western, except that you can just, it's, it's dinosaurs. I mean, here's the thing. Now, we're going to be, uh, we'll definitely discuss about this, uh, you know, at some point, but... A Bug's Life. A Bug's Life was heavily influenced by um, The Magnificent Seven, which is a classic Western movie about these seven, um, you know, these seven cowboys who are defending a town against um, this evil other cowboy or whatever. Now, you don't really notice that at first because it takes that similar concept and it puts it into bugs. But here it looks like a Western, but with dinosaurs and it's weird. Like, I, I mean, I know we talked about Cars 3 and it's a world with its, with, that is entirely made of cars. I get it. That it's supposed to be built. It's supposed to be a different universe. And we can go over about a Pixar theory about that this universe and this universe with Pixar characters and blah, 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 and whatever. But yeah, the fact that you have dinosaurs and they're farming and then you have other dinosaurs that are um ranchers it's it's weird it's just it's really weird yeah it just it's just it, it, again it didn't have to be this and uh do you know, do you know what it feels like and uh i think you can probably maybe maybe you might agree with me on this doesn't it feel more like kind of like a, a a visual demonstration of what pixar can do more than it does feel like you know uh, i would say it's on the level of buck bunny you know the uh, you know, you know like uh, that uh, 3D animation that they used to like test on like TVs and stuff. You know, it's like it feels more like uh, you know here's this like realistic at land, and then here's all these cartoony characters that we put in this, and uh, it just feels like uh, someone went up to Pixar and said, okay, visually. Give me a demonstration of what you can do, but don't worry about the story. Like you know, the story doesn't really matter at this point. Like you know, just put, just put some visuals on the screen and let me sh let's just see what you can do. It feels like a tech demo. You know, it's like a, it's, yeah, it's, it's a and you know what? And you know what else? You know about the Disney movie Dinosaur, in which when you first see the trailer, it has the realistic backgrounds with the CGI dinosaurs. It's like Pixar's equivalent of that. Yeah, uh, wasn't I mean? I, again, I, I'm only vaguely familiar with Dinosaur, but uh, I mean, was it? Um, I mean, was it better than this? Would you say? Or uh... Uh, slightly better? I mean. Both of them are really predictable. It's just that one of them happens to be like, you know, a dinosaur who was raised by um, lemurs and he leads them towards better land because um, their land was being um, 
demolished by meteors and fire. So it's like we have a Moses story, but with the good dinosaur, we have, I don't know. It's a mixture of the Lion King, Ice Age, the Land Before Time, just a lot of movies. You can just incorporate that into the good dinosaur. But right before we discuss about the plot, we have to discuss about the Pixar short that came with it. Sanjay's super team. Okay. And I mean, uh, now I'm going to be honest with everybody. I mean, I have like kind of read upon Sanjay Super Team. Now, I just want to let everybody know um, when I saw uh, The Good Dinosaur, it was on on demand services on satellite television. So the uh, the short didn't come with the uh, um, with, with with the film that I saw. I only managed to basically just I managed to see it on demand on uh, on satellite television uh, to at uh, my parents' house. So, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to kind of see the short. So, uh, uh, Patricia, do you want to describe to everybody what the what the short was? Sure. So, um, it's mostly based off of the true story of um, one of Pixar's employees by the name of Sanjay Patel. And it's the story about a little kid who's watching um, a superhero cartoon. And um, we have his father who is trying to pray and they're both Indian and they have like these Indian gods. Now I'm not familiar with Indian culture or the Indian gods. So I didn't know anything about that. So he brought out like these three Indian gods, uh, one of them with like multiple arms, one of them that looked like, um, like a monkey. The other one looked like an elephant. So the father is trying to pray while the kid, Sanjay, is trying to watch his superhero cartoon. I can actually give you names for those uh, three uh, deities. They are Hanuman, uh, uh, Durgu, and Vishnu. Okay, thank you. So, um, so basically, the father turns off the TV and he encourages Sanjay to pray along with him. And he's not interested. He wants to watch his cartoon and he wants to play with his little superhero action figure. And... Uh, while they're praying, he has this um, kind of like daydream in which you have this creature coming on by who has like two heads and he has multiple arms and he's and he's attack attacking Sanjay and he has to light up um, some sort of um, candle so he can be able to summon the superheroes and then the superheroes come in the form of those three Indian gods and they fight. Um, alongside with um, Sanjay, who's watching, and they they fight the um, the evil god, and they use up the bell that Sanjay's father was using earlier for praying. They used it so that they can be able to stop the um, the you know the bad guy, and Sanjay decides that he wants to help out, so he um, rings the um, the candle holder, which is brass, and. Uh, they were able to defeat the monster. And so the, um, let's see what I was going to say. Oh yeah. So the, um, the gods give Sanjay a little dot in his forehead and he repairs the superhero toy. And when he comes back from his daydream, uh, his father gives him the remote, but he decides that he's not going to watch TV. He's actually going to draw um, the superheroes that he saw in his daydream. And he gives it to his father and they start talking and they kind of have like a little bit of a, um, um, of, a, of an agreement with one another about how important that the Indian gods are, but they see um, kind of like a, um, um, it's actually a really sweet story, I have to say, that they have this agreement about, you know, making a balance between the, you know, Sanjay's love for superheroes and the importance of religion for the father. Mm-hmm. 
I tell you what, I mean, uh, just listening to that, I think, uh, makes me more interested to watch that than what <laughs> talk about I, the good dinosaur. To be quite dinosaur. honest, I actually enjoyed that short a lot more than the good dinosaur. The, the <laughs> Sanjay Super Team was really colorful, very creative. I never thought of an uh, of a concept of mixing Indian gods with superheroes, so I, I really like that concept. And the fact that it was mostly based on a true story, that actually was really um, endearing for me. So, yeah, I would say, if anything, go watch Sanjay Sanjay's super team, and w- yeah, we'll, we'll give more of our thoughts on the good dinosaur. Yeah. Oh, by the way, shout out to my uh, brother Sanjay. <laughs> He's actually, <laughs> I do have a brother called Sanjay, and uh, he does listen to Pix Mix. So, uh, uh, yeah, so shout out to him. And uh, so let's talk about the good dinosaur. And uh, so, I mean, there's something else I want to address about this film. Um, this is one. Of, this is Pixar's first bomb, pretty much, in regards to uh, that. And uh, some people defend it by saying, "Oh, well, you know, it made like uh, 200 million dollars at the box office." It's like, yeah, it took like 350 million to uh, to produce and to budget, and sorry, to uh, to promote. So it's like, you know, it's uh, it, it is uh, not a good not a good omen for. Uh, for the good dinosaur at all to, uh, and it, and it sits at the bottom of, uh, of its box office. So, but anyway, and you want to yeah. know what the sad thing is from, you know, from, um, most of the people's consensus cars too, what they consider to be the worst of the Pixar movies, or maybe one of the worst, it may double its budget. So yeah, the good dinosaur. Oh God. The well, fact that it didn't even make its budget. We're in for quite a treat, folks. Well, I think Cars too. I think was far more anticipated. I think than the Good Dinosaur was. I think I think, I think you can true. agree. I with mean, that. you have to consider that, um, similar to when we were discussing about Cars three and Coco, both coming out of the same year. This movie came out the same year as Inside Out, and we already know which one was the superior version. I mean, movie. No movie, yeah. So uh, again, as uh, Patricia said, this uh, was um, this was basically what happens if dinosaurs were still on the same Earth as uh, humans were, and uh, they seem to have uh, evolved to the point where they can start farming for themselves. Uh, so uh, it's uh, they have uh, they they it starts off with these two uh, dinosaurs who have had three kids. Uh, one is called Libby Buck, and they also have their runs Arlo. Uh, Libby and Buck are just uh, to life on the farm, and uh, that's still weird to me. Like, dinosaurs farming. It is very weird. I I mean, I know that Pixar, they've had a lot of weird, um, you know, concepts like toys coming to life, and cars in their own universe, and fish, and stuff like that. I get it, but at least they were able to create a universe that was able to embrace the weirdness. I mean, cars is up for debate, but yeah, I'm sorry. I did not get invested into this universe about, you know, that um, a meteor didn't crash into earth. And this was supposed to be that case in which dinosaurs were able to live off into 2015 and they would be farmers and ranchers doesn't it feel kind of strange that uh, you know the 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 the, the premise of uh, Craig Bartlett's dinosaur train makes a bit more sense than uh, you know uh, the, <laughs> the dinosaur farming on the good dinosaur <laughs> Well, I mean, at at least Craig was able to embrace the fact that, oh, you know, it's a kid's show and we can be able to branch out with all these dinosaurs, learn all about them, go on trains so we can travel to the different um, locations that these dinosaurs live. I can understand that, but I'm sorry, dinosaur farmers. (laughs) Dinosaur farm. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I can understand like a farm of dinosaurs. 
you know, like you know, uh, so like you know, like maybe like humans like were living co by side by dinosaurs, and now they like they're using them for like I don't know meat and uh, uh, I don't know uh, just you know farming. Yeah, exactly. Purposes. Like yeah. I can see a big possibility with you know, focusing on the humans and dinosaurs living together. That's a, that's exactly what I thought this movie was going to be when I first heard about the the, tr the teaser trailer and I saw yeah. the poster. You know, what if dinosaurs and humans were to live together? What would that be like? But no... We don't. We don't have that. We already. Yeah, we already. So we we'll have a film series like that. It's called Jurassic Park. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, this already exists. <laughs> oh my goodness. So um, we get to the point where you know the Libby Buck and Arlo are trying to like you know uh, make their mark. So if so, just you know, figuratively and literally on on the farm and uh, by. Uh, uh, making their mark on the silos by doing something like, I don't know, like, you know, uh, uh, foraging for things, uh, you know, uh, doing farm stuff around, around the place. I can't even remember the, all, the, all the skills that they acquired just to get their well, marks I mean, on the like, silo. I, from what I remember, like, Buck is supposed to be, like, the strong guy and Libby's supposed to be I, the girl uh, <laughs> she's supposed to be tough as well and is, I guess she's slightly smarter than Buck but yeah I don't know and Arlo's supposed to be the coward the Frady cad which I have to let you guys know right now out of all the tropes and cliches to make a main protagonist cowards or scaredy cats are one of my least favorite. I can never really root for them unless it's justified. Like they are. Let's, take, Miss, let's they take Mrs. Brisby from Secret of Nim. She was afraid when she was going out into the world so she can be able to find a cure for her son, um, Timmy. And it's understandable why she's afraid because she's always been a stay-at-home mom raising her family and she's never ventured out into this dangerous uh, farm and meeting up with the rats of Nim. I can understand why she would be afraid and all the stuff that she had to go through to conquer her fear. But Arlo, he's scared of chickens. Yeah, this is the thing though. It's like, you know, to make this the main protagonist, I mean, since the 40s, there's a reason why the Frady Cat has always been a side character. I mean, I mean, wait, well, the Scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz, I mean, Shaggy from Scooby Doo, where he was like a main character in the Scooby gang, but he was not like, you know, the main focus of the show. It was a gang and also Scooby Doo, who is the title character, you know. Right, who, right. And we also that had that with Chucky Finster from Rugrats, Gus Griswold from Reset. These were side characters. They weren't the main protagonists. Yeah, but here's the thing: before anyone asks, you know, oh, what about uh, you know Rugrats Go Paris? You know, he was a pretty main character in that one. Well, that was because uh, Chucky, Chucky had character development throughout the series before we got to Rugrats in Paris. So you know, <laughs> throw that argument out the window as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, uh, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like you know, even even Fear from Inside Out, you know, even he was not a, a main character. He was a side character. He was like a comic relief. And uh, so, you know, th there's a reason why uh, ca characters like Arlo are not put at the forefront because no one, y you really struggle to root for people like that because they look so useless. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they are really useless. I'm sorry, but half of this movie, I was not rooting for him at all. Yeah, I would accept it if he had like some kind of like, you know, adventure in him. So, uh, you know, if he had, like, a, some kind of, like, sense of adventure, like, he wants to, like, uh, yeah, he's afraid of stuff, but he actually has, like, this sense to, like, go out into the world and kind of explore and things like that. And uh, But his uh, father kind of, like, was overprotective of him because he knows he's scared of stuff around the farm. Like, I would accept that 
if uh, he had that kind of character trait, but he didn't. He didn't even want to be out there. And like, if you think about it, if the main character didn't even want to be out there, why would we want to be out there? Right, right. Why would we be out so, there for him, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, we're not off to a great start. So no. essentially, um, yeah. So essentially, Arlo feels completely left out from his family because they are able to contribute well to their farm. Ugh. And then um, along the way, their food is being eaten and they need to save up as much food as they can right before this winter comes along. And so... um. Arlo's job is to, um, instead of feeding the chickens because he's such a fraidy cat, his job is to watch over a trap and find out what has been eating the food, and then they catch it, and he's supposed to kill it. Here's something so, interesting about that. Was the dad knowing... Did, I mean, did we actually have any like foreshadowing of like the silo things being eaten in the silo and the dad knowing that something was in there like, no yeah. we didn't get anything i th it just comes out right out of nowhere he just decided i'm just gonna give him a new job he's not doing well with this chicken farm he's afraid and so he takes him out into um this field where there's a bunch of fireflies and it looks pretty i have to say it does that was actually a really beautiful moment but anything about food is being stolen or you know being eaten by a critter we there's never any foreshadowing of that it just comes right out of nowhere the the, the fireflies thing felt like you know again you know when i say tech demo like you know i felt like that was just another like scene just basically to show people off like oh hey we can do this with the graphics so like, you know, it does just, look pretty, though. It does look pretty. I, I, I do admit that, but uh, I don't know. It, it just felt like the these scenes that we're going, uh, we're gonna go through. They don't glue. Like you know, they just kind of like there. So it, it feels more like kind of like a compilation of uh, uh, what's the best way to. I'm trying to think what might be the best way to describe it. I mean, uh, would you say um, wasn't the sword of the stone kind of a bit like that? In a way, if you remember that Disney film, like it was just kind of um, like. Sword yeah. of the Stone is actually a really interesting movie in which that was their B project. They were originally supposed to make a movie based off of Chanticleer, the rooster. Mm. But then um, there was another guy who was working on the Sword of the Stone, and then Disney looked at it and said, let's do that movie instead. And so everybody else had to work on the Sword of the Stone, and they shaft Chanticleer into the background, and they never released it. And yeah, this was essentially their B. B project movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see, like I just know there's a you know like a, oh, I know a better way of describing it. You remember the episode of the uh, where they had like the skits in The Simpsons where like you yes. know they had like those five minute ones. What was what was that episode called? Um, you, you know, I, I know what you're talking about. Like it's almost like um, with showing uh, segments of Itchy and Scratchy or the Tree Horror uh, Treehouse of Horror. Yeah, it's like it's always kind of like that. This is what this movie felt like. It just felt like uh, you know oh hey we're in this uh, adventure about uh, rustlers and then. We're we're about in this adventure about a boy and his dog, and then we're in this adventure about uh, you know fighting off a, uh, an antagonist, and then we're in this adventure about you know uh, uh, confronting your fears. It, it just felt like there was no there was no theme to like. Uh, I mean, there was a main theme, which was like you know the relationship between Arlo and Spot, but it just felt like there was no 
like theme that felt stable throughout the movie. It felt like different adventures as you were going through it. And just... I mean, I guess that's how a lot of Westerns are in which they have either one major theme or they just have like little tiny themes and then they go through the motion. It's sort of like Don Quixote in which you have Don Quixote and his companion and every single chapter they're going through a new adventure. So I guess it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a serial. So similar to like, um, uh, you know, like, like, you know, those old Western TV shows in which you have, um, you know, the the main cowboy and his companion, whether it be another cowboy or a Native American or something. And they're just going around the West and they're visiting different towns or, you know, they're having a whole bunch of adventures. So I guess maybe that was kind of like it because it did have that Western theme. But when I think of Westerns, I refer back. I mean, my, my my idea of Westerns are a bit more violent than uh, I think the boy and his dog story. Well, but, I mean, so. <laughs> obviously, but I, I get what you're saying. My, my idea yeah. of like, you know, true grit, uh, you know, like uh, the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, uh, uh, what's the uh, hang them high you know the, those those types of those types of westerns i'm sort of kind of like more into i guess and uh but uh, and i know this isn't this but uh no, at, least, at least with those films at least there was like a, a stable plot like you had uh you know in, in hang them high you had uh clint was clint Eastwood trying to get revenge on the fact that some guys tried to like murder him uh, in the beginning of the film and then in like uh you know in good the bad and the ugly they're chasing after a treasure in a graveyard and then in uh, true grit it's about uh a, a, a woman wanting to uh, get revenge on uh, on on somebody who killed her father i think i think it was you know it's just like you know there was a theme that stretched out throughout this film and uh, the theme that stretches out through the good dinosaur doesn't really like you know uh, run well I think within these yeah, scenes of events. it's true yeah I guess the main theme in this movie is well Arlo trying to find his bravery and find out who he is as a person I thought it was the relationship between him and Spot yeah, that is true. That that does permeate throughout this movie, their relationship. So I guess that's their main theme. And then they're just going through the motions, <laughs> like I said before, like all those old serials um, that you've involved with like a cowboy and his companion. And they're just traveling around. And it's about these two companions. And they're going through the motions. They're going to see what adventure of the week is going to be held. So. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess there, it's kind of like that. There, there it is. Me, me and Patricia have different opinions of what the main theme of the movie is. That's not. Yeah, good. we do. We do. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get, let's continue on. Uh, we're going all over the place. So yeah, um, a lot like the so, movie. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the movie. So the creature turns out to be a little cave boy that's been eating the corn, and he Arlo doesn't kill it. He lets it free. And then his dad sees that he didn't kill the creature, and so they're going to go after it so they can fin so he can finish the job. And so along the way, they're walking towards a storm, and they're near a river, and you can probably predict that something is going to be happening involving with the river, and it just so happens that there's rain falling, a huge, gigantic... Um, you know, wave and and it washes away Arlo's dad, and he's dead. Yeah, I tell you what, that did actually catch me by surprise. I will be, I will be certainly honest with people. I thought, you know, the way I was predicting it as I was watching it, I thought it was going to be, oh, he's going to drag him out into there. They're going to try and look for him, and they can't find him, and so they just go off, and go back home again, and then they find, then the dad catches like the uh, the human uh, spot, and then uh, he's about to kill him, but so uh, then the 
you know, Arlo stops him from doing it, and then maybe they both run away or something like that. I, I don't know. I thought it sounds diff- like it sounds like Charlotte's Web almost. Yeah, I don't know. It, it sounded something. Like, I thought something like that was going to happen, but uh, no, they, they 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 definitely went with the uh, you know dad's dead scene. Which uh, yeah. I thought it was, a- which is why I kind of said it was com- kind of like the Lion King, in which, you know, Arlo's dad is grasping on the side of the, you know, the rocks, and he's trying to climb up, but he can't, and so he realizes that he's not going to, and so he brings his son up to safety, and he's washed away, and he's dead. Yeah, and it is it is Lion King esque, isn't it? You know the way that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah so- exactly. Uh. Instead of everything the light touches is our kingdom, it's. You are me and more. Yeah, it's just it's uh, uh long live the dino. <laughs> <laughs> long uh, live the dino. Anyway, so uh, he's dead, and uh, you know, here's the thing as well. It didn't feel that. I mean, this might sound very cold, but it didn't feel that emotional when he went. Yeah, I wasn't emotional you. either. I don't yeah. know whether it's that we didn't spend enough time with him, or maybe. Um, he wasn't an enduring. He was an endearing character. I don't know, but I wasn't really emotional about this scene. And this is Pixar we're talking about. These mm. guys can take a lot of scenes and make it heartfelt and sad. I'm sure we can talk about many examples. You know, Toy Story, Finding Nemo, uh, Ratatouille, yeah. Up, Up. Do you know, I think it's because, uh, haven't we had like a lot of like movies that where basically the mothers have died? And so I think uh, maybe it's like, uh, maybe we're just expecting the mother to die, maybe to get emotional about yeah, it, because yeah, that, exactly. that's, that's the theme we've basically is, been developed yeah. on. So, because we know Disney do not like, uh, you know, uh, living, breathing female, you know, uh, matriarchs. So uh, I think, is that the right word? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, so basically um, Arlo... Um, blames uh, the cave boy for killing his father and so he decides that um, you know the next time he was going to go see him he was actually going to uh, you know try to finish the job but then while they were fighting Arlo falls into the river and washes himself away into the middle of nowhere and he has to find his way home and then along the way he sees the cave boy and uh, the you know he you know, he shoes him away again, and then Arlo tries to um, make it out into the wilderness. He's completely failing at it. He even gets his foot caught in um, in a rock, and then the cave boy says, So him let's free. review. He's a cowardly, uh, clumsy, small dino fucker. It's like, you know, it's just this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know it's just uh oh my goodness like there is a i'm still waiting to see what's to root for this character I'm yeah really it's true am. i'm not i'm not really rooting for him at all it's like you're already proving to yourself why you're useless yeah it just this didn't need to be that like that in in my opinion i just think uh yeah but anyway uh so he's lost he's in the middle of nowhere he gets stuck and uh, he's there pretty much throughout the night. And uh, he wakes up in the morning and then he finds that uh, the uh, someone has dug him out uh, of his uh, out of that situation. And so then we get the situation with uh, uh, the, then we get the scene where Spot, which is the, the little cave boy, uh, goes and tries to find him food. And he goes, finds him a variation of things. And uh, he doesn't like anything until he finds the berries. 
and then it's just a couple of berries, and so he eats them pretty quickly, and then asks for more. Yes, and uh, then they go into the scene in which they're climbing up towards um, like a little canyon to get some more berries, and um, then they finally found the berry tree, and um, Arlo decides to go after it, but then um, Spot stops him, and then he's like, oh, why? And he's like, there was this snake, Mm -hmm. this giant snake coming to attack him. And then... um, all of a sudden, you know, he's freed and everything is back to normal. And then we meet up with this rhinoceros with a bunch of critters on it. And it's it's really weird. Like, it, it kind of blends into the background at first. And then it's like, I have my companions. I have this companion. It protects me from this thing. I have this companion. It protects me from another thing. I have this companion. It protects me from another thing. And then he sees Spot and is like, I want that thing. I think it'll protect me. And then he decides to call him things. It's like, I'm going to call you killer. I'm going to call you murderer. I'm going to call you destroyer. And it's like, and then he comes to the conclusion that if he names it, he gets to keep it. And so Arlo calls him spot. He responds to it. He runs up to him. And then he says, "Uh, you're going to use him as your protector. Try to find your way home or what have you. And it's like, wow that was really weird it's like what was the point of that character being around i mean i get it that i was expecting him to be a reoccurring character like you know he's like gonna be like some kind of like spirit guide or something like that in in arlo's journey but we saw him once and then never saw him again (laughs) no he he never shows up again in fact most of the characters that arlo sees throughout this journey he never sees again why i don't again i don't understand why he's just there for that only scene like, I could understand it, like, if he's there, like, in the adventure to kind of, like, you know, say things to, to Arlo, like... I, I know what they're crisis, getting but... at. They, they want to have, like... Um, he wants to give Arlo a little bit of confidence to say that this uh, that Spot is going to be his companion. It sounds very similar to when um, Littlefoot was crying about his mother's death, and you have this old dinosaur coming in and saying, you know, it's nobody's fault. Uh, it's the, the great circle of life has begun. Trying to give him, you know, pep talk about continuing on with your journey to the Great Valley. So he, I felt like he was kind of like that dinosaur, except weird hmm. and not pulled off very well no not very well at all the the the, the land before time did it way better than uh, uh the good dinosaur did all right and, uh, so yeah. yeah now arlo and spot are companions and they start traveling around towards um uh you know towards um arlo's home in the mountains and then there's this huge windstorm that comes along a huge hurricane and it pretty much destroys part of the river and now he can't find his way home and then you have these three pterodactyls who come along and at first they seem really really nice they're like oh uh, don't worry we'll help you find your way home we just need to go around and search for survivors and so arlo is helping them look for a survivor who's trapped under a tree and there's a little critter and they were like, oh, thank you so much for helping us save this little critter. And they ate it. Yeah. And I, they're predators. I, at this point of the movie, I was like looking at this and thinking that, you know, this was far. I thought this was going to be like, you know, the main. I guess he was the main antagonist, I guess you could say, of the uh, of the film. But he had barely any screen time, you know, to kind of make his presence felt. And, you know, um, so this was. If this was introduced, like, you know, 
a couple of minutes before, like, you know, like further into the, you know, further at the beginning of the film to kind of like, you know, pin down that, you know, this is the guy that you've got to be afraid of for the rest of the film, that he's going to get Arlo or something like that. But they didn't. It, like, he was far too lately introduced, in, in, in my opinion, for anyone to think yeah, that he, he was, was introduced in the middle of the movie. Yeah, like in the, in the, probably in the middle of the second act, what'd you say? Yeah, it was in the middle of the second act. I, I timed it. It was like towards the middle of the movie. Oh my god! It's like, uh, well, there was no, yeah. So, and we, uh, he was like called, he was called Thunderclap, wasn't he? Like, yeah, yeah that's, Thunderclap. That's okay. what his name was, and yeah. he was talking about like how the reason why he got this name was because he went through a major storm and he survived it. And he talks about how the storm provides whenever you know he finds creatures and eats them or something like that. So yeah, he has that he has that name Thunderclap. I guess he was kind of like, uh, oh my goodness, I, I, I'm going to lose so much geek credit for this. So who is the name of the uh, the antagonist in Up? Uh, oh, oh, you're talking about uh, Charles Muntz? Charles Muntz, yeah, the uh, uh, the guy, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, adventures out there. Adventures out there. I think he was a weaker version of that character. If anything, like uh, you know, he was like, oh, you know, I uh, had this, uh, you know, amazing adventure, and uh, then you know, and then I flew through a storm, and the, you know, this whole thing happened in my life, and now I'm this guy, and uh, you know, it's just it's uh, it was a weaker yeah, but, but it, but interpretation of that. Months, he was introduced in the beginning of the movie, so you knew who he was exactly. So uh, yeah. It, it would have been like if if they like had Thunderclap come down to like uh, even like you know like they were talking about you know, how all the food was disappearing because of the critters like you know maybe if they introduced him as the guy who was like stealing food around the place maybe that would yeah, have yeah, like maybe been a he good would have been one of the critters yeah that would have been a good one absolutely yeah but he wasn't so no he wasn't that's where we are so yeah so basically um though uh, Thunderclap and his companions are chasing after Arlo and Spot because they want to eat Spot and. Then you have these huge Tyrannosaurus Rex, Rexes, Rexi, yeah. whatever. T-Rexes. So you have, yeah, T-Rex. So you have these two T-Rexes and they attack the um, pterodons and they shoot them away. And they are actually really nice. They are brother and sister and they have, um, they have a dad um, who's voiced by Sam Elliott who can do no wrong. And they talk about how... Um, you know, he should be brave and, you know, how he's actually braver than he looks. And then, you know, they were talking about like, um, you know, there's these creatures that are surrounding their uh, their herd or something like that. And they have to go after their longhorns, which are they're, they're protecting so they can be able to head them over towards their, not their ranch, but... Their location? The, this they're, was they're, quite confused. Like, you know, why do T-Rexes herd cattle? Or like, you know, why, why? Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, and these are supposed to be like wild buffalo. So I guess they're the Western equivalent of their cattle ranchers. But That's they're, what they are. They're cattle ranchers. But they're not wild, though. They're, um, they're you know... I guess they're somewhat uh, domesticated because they're. Well, I mean, uh, you know, not like you know, like the term wild buffalo. Yeah, yeah, okay then. But yeah, but yeah, T Rex cattle ranchers. Yeah, and this is the part where basically it goes into like a completely, in a way, a completely different film. Like you know, now you're uh, riding with these uh, these uh, T Rexes uh, to go find, you know, go find these uh, rustlers uh, to go get their herd back, and yeah. uh, you know, they use Spot to uh, track the. Uh, the herd as well and uh yeah that was just uh that, that that felt like oh we've just ended a completely different movie 
Yeah, so it went we from um, it went from a um, kind of like a farm movie to um, you know to a boy and his dog to now we have a western movie with cattle ranchers. So yeah, it's like shifting into all these different directions. Yeah, it's just I think maybe they were like trying to play like homage to like maybe all these themes, but you know, it's just it's just a, that, that's all right for like some doing some kind of like variety show, but this is like a, a Pixar Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a- yeah, exactly. So Arlo is told by um the main T-Rex to yell really loud so they can get the creatures into the middle so that the T-Rexes can be able to attack them. And so they fall for it and they do. And so then there's this huge stampede, insert liar Lion King reference here. <laughs> and so they have this huge fight and um and uh, you know Arlo is having his brave moment in which he's attacking the um, the creatures, and Spot is helping along, and then they start roaring together, and he starts fighting his bravery, and then along the way they find the mountaintop, and that points him towards home, and so Arlo and Spot have this montage where they. Um, you know, go into these different locations, and then finally they reach all the way up to the top. And then we see a silhouette of a caveman who's howling, and yeah. Spot wants you know to what? go we've after actually, him. We've actually just missed like, uh, and actually, and I got to be honest with you, we don't bl- don't blame us for I don't blame you for uh, for missing this, but uh, we had like a camping scene where they were talking about how you know, uh, yeah, even though I did something really brave, I was still scared of doing it. But while that was going on, I felt no interest in listening to it. Like I just at the minute that, that that we got to like a quiet moment in the film, I you know I already felt like the whole film was average by you know by that time. And every time there was like a quiet moment, I kind of walked out the room, <laughs> like you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, so, and it sounds and really back. interesting too. It's like they're talking about where they got their scars. Like oh, I had I had this scar from this thing. I had this scar from another thing. I had this scar from being attacked by a crocodile or what have you. And I, I get what they're, they're supposed to teach. They're supposed to teach about how um, even if they were brave, they were still scared, um, which is fine. Don't get me wrong. I know this is supposed to be something that Arlo is learning throughout his journey. But, I mean, these characters are, you know, just they're just there for like a few minutes and then they don't leave a, str- a strong impact like it should. Yeah, it's just it's just uh, it's sad, really, because I'm sure if I rewatch those scenes, I'm sure I would get something out of them. But uh, yeah, if you don't give me anything, any you know, any other interest in like the exciting moments of the film, it's like you're gonna miss these parts because there's nothing to keep your to keep your attention. You know, it's just it's uh, yeah, it was. Uh... So anyway, we get to the part with the uh, the howling caveman, which you know I'm really surprised. <laughs> That, that just sounds really stupid, doesn't it? You know, that, yeah. yeah, howling caveman. Crazy howling caveman. It's like, you know, it's just, it's, uh, Captain yeah. Caveman! No, he wasn't that. But, uh, <laughs> Oh, God. If only, if only. Like, you know, if it... Uh, if only. But, so anyway, we get that scene, which kind of felt like, you know, it just felt out of place at that point. Yeah, and, and I know what they're supposed to do again. It's supposed to be, um, you have that one moment in which Arlo was talking about family, and he shows them in, and she, he, she was showing Spot in sticks. It's like, this is me, this is Mama, this is my brother and sister, and this is Papa. And he had this circle around, and then Spot understood, and he got a stick, and he put himself, his mom and his dad, and that they were both dead. And then he showed um, 
it, it basically showing without words that both of his parents were dead and he's on his own. And then Arlo showed um, Spot that, you know, his dad died and he told him that he misses him. So um, if there's one thing that I can give this movie is that they're able to have these quiet moments with little to no dialogue. It lets the music and it lets the emotion of the character speak, which um, I, I have to I have to give it credit for. I'm, I'm really glad that they were able to pull something like that off. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll definitely but, say that the, the relationship between Arlo and Spot was actually pretty good. I, I will give I will give it that. But um, that's probably the only thing i basically had to hang on to that entire film yeah was and, and this was done better i mean you remember the first ice age movie in which um you know the creature you know the um, the mastodon the um, the sloth and the um, the saber-toothed tiger had to bring back the little cave boy to yeah, his Ma- family who were constantly traveling and you had that nice relationship with the um, the mastodon and the bo- and the cave boy and that was done with no words as well. And and the one scene that I still remember to this day was when they went over to the cave painting and, you know, um, he was seen, um, you know, humans attacking the Macedon and about how he didn't really trust humans. So I actually really like that moment. And, and, and it also gives a little bit of um, more backstory about the cave boy, in which we saw throughout the beginning of the movie that, the mother died, and the father was looking around for his son, but he couldn't find him, and so they were traveling. And then throughout the whole entire movie, um, the, the creatures were you know, delivering the cave boy over to the family who were constantly traveling, and, and it's actually a really sweet moment, and you do really feel for them. Yeah. I guess this is kind of like their equivalent of doing that, yeah. but uh, we but, didn't get but, a backstory on spot whatsoever. Yeah, so, I mean, who did it better? I say George the Good Dinosaur. Hmm. When it comes to the relationship, um, slightly the good dinosaur, but when it comes to the backstory of, um, you know, the, you know, the cave boy, um, I guess I say it's really hard to say. Yeah, I guess, I guess if I was going to go like on a, on a, on a journey with some characters, I, I gotta be honest, I would say I'd rather go with the, with, with the guys from Ice Age than I would yeah, with, that the is guy, true, yeah. with a good dinosaur. You know, when you when you're given a character who looks so weak and looks so useless, you know, it's like you know you don't feel very confident going down that path, do you? So like, yeah, you know, at can... least there's more than one character. There's three characters uh, plus Scritch, but he's a minor character in the background who is always in the opening in every Ice Age movie. But that's you know, interesting. Do you think there should have been a third character? Like you know, they should have been like uh, you know, you had Arlo and you had uh, Spot, but then do you think they should have been like another character who was like who should have taken the you know every time things got a bit low with you know. Arlo, you know, at least there would be like that other character to kind of like pick him back up, you know. Yeah, like. I, there, there needed to be another character, absolutely. There needed to be a brave character who gave Arlo a lot of confidence. So, yeah, there needed to be a third character. No, not even that. I mean, just like a character who like was a bit more, uh, you know, free spirited then, not necessarily brave, just kind of like, you know, uh, not. Um, not aware of the dangers, if you will. Like you know, so there's sure. there's nothing to be in a way. That, there's no reason for him to be brave because he's got nothing to be scared of. Because you know he's not he's not that self aware. Maybe kind of like you know not a dumb character, but kind of just you know not not very aware of his own self personal safety. If you know, mm-hmm. if you think he was. So there's like a polar opposite to Arlo, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, I yeah I would say so. Yeah. That would be nice. Okay, uh, so um. Uh, so we get to the point where Arlo is uh, go- going to be go- going uh, over the mountain, and then uh, they get attacked by the pterodactyls again. 
So uh, this is the second time they do it. And uh, I, I don't know that this, this the way they came in was somewhat kind of menacing, but uh, um, the, the, you would think that they were like a different group of like threats compared to when we first saw Thunderclap. And that, again, that's what that's what I uh, annoys me so much about this: the fact that we had so little like you know exposure to them, and so uh, they did feel like a completely different. Uh, uh, threat when they first came before and then when they came when you saw them come back it's like oh these guys again it's like you know yeah it's just... it came right out of nowhere and i can understand that technically they would know where arlo was going because when arlo first met them and he thought that they were friendly he was telling them where they were going where he was going it's like hey do you know how to get to this mountain i'm lost and they were like yeah sure we'll help you so i can assume that because they still want to eat spot they know exactly where arlo and spot were going so they decided to meet them at that point so i i can understand that in a plot point and it's supposed to be like oh no one last obstacle but yeah, it, it just comes right out of nowhere. And the fact that we didn't get any development with these villains, it just comes across as pretty shallow. Mm -hmm. So we get that. Spot gets captured by the uh, the pterodactyls, and then uh, the, he uh, goes into the... Uh, then they go off into the sky, and uh, Aldo's then trapped in some vines and hits his head and uh, starts to see visions of his father. And uh, this... Yeah, th this bit was pretty weird to uh to yeah watch. this is really weird like again i know where they're going with this this happened in the lion king in which simba saw his father in the sky this happened in the land before time in which littlefoot saw his mother up in the sky and it was supposed to be like a representation of that they're always there to help them and to guide them but the fact that you know he hit his head and then he saw his father and he freed him from the vines and um you know led him out it's like huh i mean then you start realizing right away that it's not his dad because number one how did he survive and number two we actually saw when they were walking um the footprints there were no footprints in the mud and that's when he realized okay you're not my dad but i still need to go back and i need to save spot yeah, you know what? The, out of all the dads coming back, I mean, the one that sticks out in my mind right now is uh, James McLeod from uh, Star Fox sixty four. Like you know, the, you know the ending battle when uh, he's uh, you know when Fox is being guided through the tunnels while the whole planet is exploding, and he says, "Follow me, Fox." And uh, I felt like you know even that, even when we had very little screen time with James McLeod, I felt more of an emotional attachment to him than I did with this you know this dad dinosaur you know, uh, mm -hmm. in this, yeah. and so that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not that's not really good. So, so um, Arlo gets um, some courage, and he's going to save Spot, and he fends them off against these um, these pterodons, and he uh, Spot even bit one of their one of the wings and leaves a hole in it, and it's like, wow, that's pretty. Uh, no, I was somewhat expecting it at this stage, given that, you know, we're getting seeing uh, heads getting ripped off of animals and, uh, you know, we're seeing, you know, critters being eaten and stuff like that. So I think, uh, you know, I've guessed the, uh, you know, the, this, uh, on top of that, we, we've, we've got a scene, actually. There's this bit where they're actually eating all this, uh, you know, poison fruit and uh, then they all start, like, you know, uh, warping out into, like, uh, you know, it's kind of like something that Rob Zombie would probably come up with. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I forgot about that scene. Oh, that scene was so weird. This is one of those classic 
like big big lip alligator moments in which is like it's there for like like what like less than 10 seconds and then they never mention it again it's like what was the point of that Hey, this is this is you know this this is weird, man. How, how can a film be so boring and yet so fucked up at the same time? Like it's just, <laughs> oh my god! It feels like I've just had like a it, it, maybe this is what smoking weed is like. I don't know, but so uh, <laughs> well, uh, I would I would not know. I would not know either. But uh, anyway, um, so we go through this um uh we go through this whole uh uh you know scene with uh. The pterodactyls and uh, they get fought off, and uh, then he gets to a point where uh, here's the thing that also makes this not very it kind of defines the physics of the movie because you know uh, the dad got washed away and he died, but um, Arlo dives straight into it and lives. <laughs> it's just you know it's uh, that makes logic. Sense. Yeah, it's like oh my god. So he dives now, I, in. Now I guess the, the, what the movie's trying to say is that oh, Arla learned how to swim from Spot, so he's able to fend off from the wave that eventually killed his father because he didn't know how to swim. But that's a giant wave, and he's smaller. And, how did he survive that? And there's no, there was no foreshadowing to say that his dad couldn't swim. So it's like, you know, he's like, there's no, for all we know, maybe he might be a championship swimmer. I don't know. He's like, you know, in this world of dinosaurs, you know, maybe there's Dino Olympics. I don't know. But so it's like, you know, it's just, it's, uh, oh, I just, yeah, it, it felt like it, it just didn't feel believable. You know, when I when I when I saw that, it's kind of yeah, like well, uh, I, I, I know I wasn't believed in it either. And then not only was there the giant wave, but there was a waterfall. Yeah. Do, do I compare it to like the scene in the Last Jedi when uh, you know uh, Le- Princess Leia goes, sorry, General Leia goes flying off through space and uh, opening the door? Don't know if you've seen the Last Jedi yet or not, but uh... Uh, yeah, and I and I, and this is also re- reminiscent of a scene from Emperor's New Groove in which they're tied into a log and they're about to fall into the waterfall, but they make it out as a joke. So at least that was funny, but yeah. no, this just raises so many questions. Oh my goodness. So here's the thing about this. So they fall down the waterfall, and I gotta be. This might sound really, you know, really cold of me as well. Again, that waterfall doesn't look scary. I mean, it's like you know, when you zoom it all the way out, it's like you kind of think that you know, if um, you think that Arlo would be able to fall down that waterfall and still live, and uh, still be able to rescue Spot at the same time, that it it didn't feel very. You remember the the waterfall and the fox and the hound. Do you, yes. do you remember how big and scary that thing was? Like, you know, it's like yeah. they should have done it like that. Like, you know, just. Well, what about in uh, an American tale in which there was a huge, you know, thunderstorm with a lot of rain, and then there was this huge waterfall that was about to crash the ship, and then Five looks at it, and then the the water crashes into the ship, and he falls overboard. That looks scary. Yeah, that is actually legitimately terrifying. Even even more so because they're smaller animals than <laughs> dinosaurs. So. Uh, <laughs> It definitely is. So they rescued, and so then they rest, and then they go off again into uh, go towards you know Arlo's home farm and things. But so before they do, we get this really random group of people. Yeah, and again, this is supposed to be um, foreshadowing to the caveman who was shown as a silhouette earlier in the movie, and. Then there's more of them. We have a caveman, a cave woman, and two cave children. And 
there's supposed to be like this again going into um one of the highlights of this movie there's a really really quiet scene where um there's no talking and arlo is t- trying to tell spot no spot you should go to your fam this is a this is your new family you should go to them and he even does a little circle and he pushes spot away from him and spot understands and they have this little hug and it's like oh that's actually really sweet but yeah again this family comes out of nowhere it's like oh we need to have something for spot oh let's throw in a cave family because why not for all you know, they could be cannibals. <laughs> imagine, yeah. if that, imagine if that was the end of the film. They went over that hill and then they ate him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, they're not even, they don't even look like they're related to him in any sense. Like maybe well, they're, they're not. They're, they're a completely different family. I just, oh, it just, it didn't make no sense to me. It's just like you know, it just it was. Uh, why they they they're related because they're 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 humans. It's like yeah, you know, they're like, humans. So I say you and I are related. It's so like you know, it's uh, yeah. It just didn't, uh, it just didn't feel. Yeah, that was just a. It, again, it was emotional watching them, kind of like because they're going to be separated. But the, the the way that they were separated made no sense to me. It just you know, it just felt like you know why why not? You know, he's like, uh, you know, Arlo better than you know these people. Like you know, why not go back home with with them? And, uh, I uh, guess. I guess not. I guess we need to have. Spot go back to where he belongs with humans, and yeah. uh, I guess that's a closing. It's got that. I don't know. Well, I, 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 I get. I I guess it's better than the ending of Old Yellow when basically they shoot him in the back of the head. So uh, you know, I guess that's probably better than that. I I guess, but that's not saying mm-hmm. much. It's true. So Arlo goes back to the farm, and everyone's a, ju- uh, a jubilant that he finally made it back. And uh, which then... it, it, there should have been at least maybe a scene or two in which maybe we saw um, the mother or maybe the kids worried about Arlo. Like, oh no, my son has completely disappeared. Where did he go? And yeah. they're like really worried about him. But we don't get anything like that in this movie. I bet it was cut for time. Is that, yeah. Is it, yeah, that's the only thing I could think of. It was cut for time. I mean, how how long's this movie? It's about uh, about oh, ninety three minutes. So no, they they didn't have an excuse to cut it for time. It's like you know, there was there was there was plenty of time they could have they could have used. My yeah, but, but again, like we mentioned earlier in this podcast, there was a lot of behind the scenes troubles with story structure and stuff like that. So mm. maybe that was going to be in the original draft of the script, but then maybe they just cut it off to feature something else i have no idea yeah if there really is a production hell it definitely will be the good dinosaur uh i guess and no uh, trust me there's something else but we'll talk about that later okay then so uh they give him a mud print i guess uh maybe it was a participation award i don't know but uh i have no idea that 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 made no sense it's like what did he do to earn it yeah he's like you know he like what he 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 fell in a lake he he went he got himself into his own shitty mess and he he walked all the way back it's like you know it's like wouldn't you think his mother would have been like you know oh you 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 idiot you fell in a lake and you got yourself into all this trouble and uh, you know it's lucky that you came back alive it's like you know it's like it's uh, just you know this movie (laughs) I don't even know what to say like you know, it's just it's uh, it, yeah, it, it's a pretty forced ending, to yeah, say the least. 
I mean, if maybe there could have been something else that he was earned for, maybe I would have justified the ending in which he decided to leave his print up with the rest of his family's prints. But I, I, I don't get it. I so. get it if he like he come back to the farm and then like you know he'd build up some courage and like you know become you know, and basically started to become like uh, you know kind of like his father in a way. In may maybe and it started becoming like you know better than everybody else and then he earned his, his his print then yeah I would totally accept that but it just comes out of nowhere like you know yeah, he's not really doing anything to, to earn it. You also you have to consider that there was this whole you know plot point about oh it's the first winter it's coming early so I was thinking that oh maybe he should come home right before snow falls and maybe he can help out his family get enough food for the winter that would make Arlo earn his mark but uh, i don't know yeah but uh yeah i mean can you all tell why we don't like this movie <laughs> i mean which, uh, which is worse cars 3 or this cars 3 at least had some kind of structure to it yeah, yeah and also it was the third movie and since we haven't seen the other two i guess um, we can't really say anything about it, but this is supposed to be a standalone movie, unless there's sequels, which I completely doubt since it bombed, and I can see why it bombed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, should we go into the story of uh, what happened behind the scenes? And, yeah, uh, go you, ahead. Yeah, you mean, well, I'll, I'll let you tell it because you know it better than I do. So. All right, so from what I understand, and I don't know all of it, but apparently there was like, um, like from what I understand, like they, they couldn't, they didn't uh, like one of the writers they couldn't um figure out what to add into the third act or something like that and then um you know one of the writers actually left to work on the movie disney's tomorrowland which uh i i haven't seen that movie but i heard some mixed opinions on that that wasn't and a then, good jump <laughs> sorry that was not a good jump let me tell let me definitely tell you that so uh, yeah i think you probably and then, yeah, the good uh, then then apparently like there was some falling out on pixar where they had to fire some of the employees for some reason and um then there was like some more um writers added into the story and um then there was some more mix-ups and then the movie was delayed about a year so yeah yeah um there was like um then there were then after the story then the original cast had to be revised and then um more people were added and then some of the people went away and oh my god how, yeah, how did there was this... a lot of there was not a lot of good things behind the scenes of that movie how did this film not end up like food fight thinking about it like you know it's just you know all this money thrown at it all this craziness that was going on behind the scenes this should it's 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 lucky that this still has 72 percent on rotten tomatoes 77 percent on rotten tomatoes.com yeah that is true and uh yeah this this is this wasn't the last movie that ended up with you know behind the scenes problems but we'll get to that eventually yeah so um that's it so i guess we've got to score this out of 10 and uh I mean, okay, to be fair, there was some emotional scenes in it, and it did look very good, and it's just, unfortunately, there has just some story problems, so I will be fair and give this a 6. Me too. I'll give it a 6 out of 10 as well. It's a decent movie, but when you think about all the amazing movies that Pixar has released... It doesn't come close to it whatsoever. The story is predictable. It doesn't make a lot of sense the majority of the time. 
Um, it has a lot of forced in messages. The character is probably one of the weakest, if not the weakest um, protagonist ever. I could, I'm sorry. I didn't really like Arlo very much. No. Um, and the characters, while some of them were interesting, they weren't developed enough or they weren't in the movie long enough. And the ending felt a little forced. The only thing I did like about this movie were, once again, you know, the quiet moments with Arlo and Spot. The relationship with Arlo and Spot was fantastic. And um, I like some of the animation. The animation, when it wants to be um, pretty, it can be very pretty. So I can give it that. It's a yeah. decent movie, but as for Pixar, you can do a lot better. Yeah, it's a tech demo for me. It's like, you know, it's just a w- w- watch it and see what Pixar can do, but uh, try not listen to the story. <laughs> that's, that's the one <laughs> thing I wouldn't tell you while watching this film. Just don't concentrate on the story. So, yeah. So that concludes another episode of Pix Mix. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, if you want to find me on the on the Aaron Meta Show, it's Aaron uh, Facebook.com forward slash Aaron Meta Show. Twitter is at Aaron Meta Show. Uh, AaronMeta.tumblr.com and also YouTube.com forward slash Aaron Meta Show. And you can also find me on Liberace Syndication. Yeah, and you, if you want to know about uh, me and my work, please check me out at OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com. Uh, follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash old school lane. Follow me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com um, slash patty underscore b underscore Miranda. And I am also on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash pbm717. And uh, also, uh, I appear in um, occasionally in the uh, Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm weekly at the Araminta show. So, yeah, you can find me all over the place. Yeah. And uh, this will actually be coming out before our next episode of the Araminta show. And uh, I think we'll be talking about some pretty exciting stuff on the, on the Araminta show. No, no doubt about that. And uh, uh, one definitely one bit of news that we've only just come off just before we came on the air with Pix uh, Mix is that, is that uh, the Animaniacs will be returning for two new seasons. All right, that sounds awesome. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. We'll be talking about that on the weekend. So, from me, Aaron. And Patricia. Take care, and bye for now. See you later.